electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I hope you want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. This was a stupendous, glorious day for the stock market. Oh, no, not because the Dow gained 154 points while the S&P jumped 0.42%, and then Nasdaq advanced to paltry 0.11%. No, not because Vlad Tenev rang the opening bell for Robinhood, the disruptive digital brokerage with 22 million mostly younger clients. And not because Facebook or PayPal got clubbed despite great earnings. Nah, no, no. It was a fabulous, great day. But you see, I, I, I bumped into Dave Gitlin, the CEO of Carrier Global, with his charming daughter, college student at the University of Wisconsin, Madison. They were calmly waiting for me to finish filming Squawk on the Street, my morning show, to say hi, right outside the rope. They said, hi, Jim. And you know what? I couldn't have been more thrilled. Why? Because unlike the much-hyped Robinhood deal, of course, I am chatting with CEO Vlad Tenev in just a bit, uh, so you do not want to miss that. But it, it, it wasn't because of the Robinhood deal that I was excited about. That quickly broke down despite the attendant excitement. No, it was Gitlin and the stock of Carrier Global because it's been a huge winner, because it's made you a ton of money since it came public in April of 2020. Get this. Here's a stock. It started trading at 13 bucks and change back then, and today it jumped to a new all-time high of $54 in the wake of another terrific quarter and one of the biggest surprises of the year. See, this heating, ventilation, I don't know, you hear that, right? air conditioning company gave you tremendous sales and a monster earnings beat. Yes, with all the attendant excitement of the Robin Hood revolution, I come to praise, not folly, but wisdom. Boring, pedestrian wisdom. For those of you who don't remember Carrie, Carrie was spun off. When the old United Technologies broke itself up and merged with the remaining aerospace business with Raytheon, 
Carry got a major boost thanks to the pandemic because COVID forced us to upgrade our air infiltration infrastructure. However, this huge upside surprise, coupled with gigantic buyback the way, belonged to Dave Gitlin and his quiet team. And that's why I told his daughter, you should be so proud of the way your dad made so much money for investors. $13 to $54 in just 16 months? Well, that's why we do the show. That's why, that's what this is about. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take away anything from the story du jour, the Robin Hood IPO. I think CEO Vlad Tenev, and I can't wait to speak to him, has created an incredible company. I've felt that way. I was the first one on CBC to talk about it. It's one that makes it much easier for regular people to participate in the stock market. I wish they participated in the carriers, though. They're now also giving you a chance to participate in their business, and they gave many shares to their clients. But the deal, well, in retrospect, priced too high in an environment that's already oversaturated with IPOs. So then why am I so focused on this carrier thing? Well, let, 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 me, let, me, let me explain. See, carrier represents a metaphor. It's a fable about how sometimes you need to bet on the humdrum, the tortoise, if you please, because heating, ventilation, and air conditioning is one of the most boring businesses on Earth. So this was a great reminder that you can still make a lot of money by being boring. The most exciting thing that happened to Carrier this year is that they helped provide refrigeration for vaccines. And that's fine by me. See, unlike Robinhood, Carrier is deliciously not sexy. It hasn't brought anyone new into the stock market. It's not a mind-bending company like Robinhood. It's a metal-bending company. It's now laser-focused on heating and air conditioning with a pretty low profile since the United Technologies breakup. But you've probably walked by a carrier machine thousands of times and never even thought twice about it. We had a carrier air conditioner I didn't even know. And you know what? You could have bought this terrific stock for a song. Six times earnings, not sales, earnings. Versus something like Robinhood that trades at an astronomical 25 times sales. Is there any reason why the stock didn't break down with that? I think companies like Carrier represent what you should be thinking about. They represent incredible value, especially now that it looks like the Congress is about to agree on a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill at a time when we've already got 6% GDP growth. By the way, same goes for similarly cheap cyclicals. You need a new core in your portfolio. That's a best-of-breed steelmaker. And look, these stocks aren't exactly rarities. You know people have to eat, right? You know there'd be a famine without farm equipment. So why not buy the stock of Agco, the number two maker of farm equipment, which is going from $40 when we first tell you to buy it to $130 in the last year and a half without ever becoming expensive? Combine's too boring? Again, fine with me. Uh, that's why we'll listen to Agco tonight. Now that the masks are off, at least in some places, although Zoom is still crushing it, I think we're about to see a boom in anything that helps you look good. For example, my daughter didn't like how her teeth looked, even as I thought they were perfect. Dennis told me, tell her to get Invisalign, made by Align Technology. I wanted to have them on the show tonight, but the show just got too jammed. Align's up the most in the S&P 500 with a popular product that's literally hidden in plain sight. You see it more than you even see a carrier air conditioner. What else? Look, I love tech. We, we wouldn't have created the term FANG on mad money. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, and then added an extra A when it became clear that Apple belonged in the acronym, too. Now, these days, everybody, what do they do? They don't tell you to buy Fang. They write obituaries for Fang. Easy way to be contrarian. Hey, guess what? Get ready for many obituaries tomorrow. Why? Because Amazon missed earnings estimates and gave a disappointing forecast this evening. What will happen tomorrow in the obituary? It will say it was killed by the great reopening, which caused people to go back to their old brick and mortar ways. Get ready. Look at that. I just wrote tomorrow's paper. I just did a whole show. 
Of course, I feel the pain of everyone who got burned in tech and fintech today. I felt the slings and arrows of Facebook and PayPal. Facebook's management once again lowered the boom in you, talking about rapid deceleration and growth going forward. I thought they were too dire. Meanwhile, PayPal CEO Dan Schulman spent way too much time talking about how the long-awaited full separation of its former parent eBay will hurt earnings. This is one of the least revelatory surprises ever, yet the stock still got hammered. Frankly, I think both Facebook and PayPal are simply practicing UPOD here, under-promise and over-deliver. Sure, this time will be different. Ah, no, it'll be the same. And that's why I will tell you later in the show why you have to buy those two stocks. Now, look, there are things that are just that do trump carrier. I mean, a straight, straight up blowout like advanced micro devices, which had a, yet another banner session, this time because the company's acquiring the Dowdy Xilinx, which reported tremendous earnings. The two together could be unassailable, which is why I still like AMD, even though it was up again over 100. Now, I can't wait to hear Vlad Tenner's reflection on Robinhood's debut and the novel offering where he allotted millions of shares to his clients. But at the end of the day, I'd rather own a stock like Carrier that gave you a chance to buy much lower and then delivered a series of great numbers and went higher despite never being expensive and always being well run in praise of wisdom, not folly. The bottom line, we spend a lot of time focused on exciting companies and that's part of my job, right? But you know what? It's often easier to make good money from boring companies. Boring companies like Carrier. Mario in California, Mario. Hey, Jimmy Chill. Booyah. Booyah. Chill man really started to come after some of his guys. What's going on? Yeah, so I recently started a position in ticker symbol FANC. With it currently trading at a cheaper price per earnings ratio than other companies in its sector, and with earnings coming up early next week, I was hoping to get your input on if you think I should add to my position, hold through earnings, or sell before this. I think you can add to your position in that fang. Why? Because Diamond Energy is indeed the fastest growing oil stock in the country. And I like growth. That gives you some growth at good prices with oil at 72. I salute you. I want to go to Mark in New York. Mark. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Sure. I uh, wanted to ask you about Infigo. I purchased it at the start of COVID in 2020 uh, as a COVID play and took out my basis close to the top at $17 a share. Excellent. Given the huge decline in the price from $20 high um, and horizontal growth since March, at around $9 a share, is it time to get back in given the possibility of slower reopening? And companies' reliance on 5G moving forward. Well, I do believe that this is a make-or-break quarter. And sometimes, like in sports, when you have a guy that's got a make-or-break quarter, or like even Bill McDermott's when he service now because the last quarter wasn't that good, they do deliver. And I think the heat is on in Seago to deliver, which may actually motivate him to do so. Right? Fast-growing tech companies usually make for much more exciting investments. But you know what? Occasionally, when we're celebrating excitement, I like to be in praise of boring, like Carrier. Oh, man, money tonight. Early season is in full swing, but how can you pick a good report from a bad one? Well, I'm going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to tell you what signal to watch. Then Robinhood has revolutionized the retail trading boom, and after its highly anticipated public debut, I'm looking under the hood with the company's top brass. And could this tractor company plant some green into your portfolio? I'm plowing through the quarter with Agco CEO. We all got to eat. Stay with Kramer. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. 
With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is right now perhaps the most confusing part of earnings season, in part because there are so many quarterly reports coming at you so fast, but mostly because the business media doesn't really get it. For the most part, the press takes its cue from a combination of instant commentary and the initial reaction of the actual stock itself, regardless of whether that trajectory is correct. When it comes to earnings, the media doesn't try to interpret it, it just simply shoots first and then doesn't even bother to ask questions later. So how do you get your bearings when there's so much half-baked commentary and misdirection out there? First, it's important for you, yourself, to have conviction about what you own. If you read the conference call and you like what you see versus your own expectations, well, that should be enough. If you can't bother to read the conference call transcript, then you really shouldn't bother to own individual stocks either. That's what indexes are for. And that's what I mean when I always tell you to do the homework. These calls are treasure troves of vital information. Second, Before you can judge a quarter, you need to see the next day's more considered view. While a stock's initial reaction is often wrong, in many cases that judgment will be reversed if you just wait another 24 hours. Third, above all else, you have to follow the price target boost. Write that down. Price target boost. Because that's what's going to steer you in the right direction so you can make money at home. Let's take the two most obvious examples from last night's supposed disappointments, PayPal and Facebook. As I mentioned at the top of the show, both stocks sold off, but the analysts who cover them greeted these quarters with aggressive price target boosts. That's the code. That's what you really need to know. Sure, Facebook warned us that things are going to slow dramatically. Normally, that would be a disaster. So how come the analysts raised the price targets? Because those analysts understand the context. Every company has its own personality, often dictated at this point by the chief financial officer when they give you their outlook on the conference call. In this case, Facebook's CFO is David Winner, 
and he seems almost preternaturally pessimistic every quarter. There's not a single time I can recall when he actually said things are going to be great going forward. Yet somehow the stock's still been an incredible long-term winner, correct? So when the analysts hear him putting on his glass half-empty act and the stock selling off, they don't take the cue from the action. Instead, they take the other side of the trade and raise their price targets because they've seen this movie before and they believe in Facebook's momentum. That's why I said all day today, you got to buy Facebook. PayPal does the exact same thing. This is one of those stocks where if you're a trader, you actually probably want to go short into the print, as we call the news of the quarter, because both CEO Dan Schulman and CFO John Rainey just love pointing you towards potential pitfalls. This time, the negative centered on the home stretch of PayPal's torturous separation from eBay. For years, Schulman's told you that there will come a time when that separation gets jarring. Well, we're in the jarring moment. Suddenly, people are freaking out. But anyone who is serious about following PayPal already knew this was coming. You know who's serious about following the stock? The analysts who cover it professionally, which is why we were seeing so many price target hikes. It's time to buy PayPal, not sell it. Of course, the magnitude of these boosts is a great way to gauge Wall Street's enthusiasm. For example, Alphabet was showered with price target boosts after its magnificent quarter. Even Apple, which supposedly disappointed on Tuesday night, had nothing but price target boosts. Same with Microsoft. The, these raised numbers will determine the direction of the stock once the smoke clears, and we are in smoke clear season. What would be the tip-off that a stock really isn't going anywhere? Well, uh, if the company reports and the analysts merely reiterate their buys without raising their price targets, don't touch it. So going forward, this is something you need to keep an eye on. You get enough price target boosts at the height of earnings season, that turns into a trampoline that can push a stock higher, even if Wall Street initially seemed to hate the quarter. The time to buy PayPal? Tomorrow midday. The time to buy Facebook? Tomorrow midday. That's when the sellers should be done. Greg in Texas. Greg! Thank you, Mr. Kramer. No problem. I was hoping, I was hoping you could school me on my favorite stock. It had a beat on both the top and the bottom, and then it dropped 50 points yesterday. I bought a boatload of it. Two hours later, it was all the way back up, made a killing, and it looks like it's doing the same thing again today. It's my dog's name, Generac. Well, I like a good dog named after machine, but there is a problem. <laughs> Generac had some of the highest expectations, and I was part of that problem, frankly. I, I, I kind of beat it into everybody's head that they got to buy Generac, and they did it. They did exactly what I wanted, a big number. But you know what? You got to do better than exactly what I wanted. You got to do super duper better than exactly what I wanted. All right, we're in the height of earnings season. So that means you need to keep a close eye on price target boosts. They tell the truth. They can tell you a lot about the stock's ultimate direction. Much more mad money in. Robin had made its public debut earlier today, but it was the mean dream investors they were expecting. And maybe not. Uh, don't miss my exclusive with the CEO, though. Then Agco is proving that farming can continue to flourish in this environment. And I'm getting the latest from the company's CEO. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. 
it was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We're the fastest growing brokerage of all time. We announced a few weeks ago that we just crossed uh, a million users. That was five years ago. Five years ago. Now Robinhood has 22.5 million users, and it just came public today after transforming the markets over the past year and a half. I could argue much longer. Unfortunately, this is not a great time for IPOs. Robinhood priced at $38 last night, then opened at that level today, before ultimately drifting down to $34 and changed at the close. The underwriters made a valiant effort to prop the stock up, but you know what? There is a lot of IPO fatigue out there. Still, could this disruptive digital broker be worth buying into weakness? Let's take a closer look with Vlad Tenev, the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Robinhood, whom I'm proud to say was first on Mad Money, and we've always had a good relationship to find out more about his business going forward. Mr. Tenev, I say congratulations, and welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me back. It's good to see you again, Jim. Absolutely. Same, Vlad. Okay, so a lot of people today... You got a lot of second guessers. Stock goes down. They just they make a judgment based on a six hour period. But what I recognize in you and I think others have to recognize is there was something transformative and is about the way you approach the market. And whether it be democratization or whether it be the app, something changed with you and your partner, Vlad. And I'm going to give you the floor to describe how you went from that clip to twenty two and a half million in a rather extraordinarily short time. Yeah, well, I think uh, you mentioned democratization of finance, and we say that a lot, but we demonstrate it by our actions. So it's not just our initial product of free stock trading, commission-free stock trading. It's also uh, our subsequent products, options trading, cryptocurrency, uh, subsequently to that, fractional shares, and more recently, IPO access, which has given customers access to uh, IPOs at the IPO price, something that had been reserved only for institutions. You saw that through our retail customer roadshow that we did last weekend, too. So um, I think as a public company, I'm excited to keep articulating more clearly to our customers what the company stands for and what our mission is, what our values are, and delivering on that uh, over a period of many years. Well, I was surprised, given the fact there were you know, so many, tens of thousands of people involved in the deal, that it went smoothly, although obviously you wanted it to close up for the day. I know when I brought the street.com public, we closed down on the day, and there were very many people who were angry at me. We had cancellations uh, of, of the publication. What do you do to, the, to, uh, to assuage those who say, wait a second, I got in and now I'm down? You know, a lot of people have given me the advice, uh, not just today, but over the past few months, that we're building a long-term business, so you have to ignore these short-term fluctuations. Some days markets are up, some days markets are down, some days the stock is up, some days the stock is down. Look back on what the, the company has been able to do over the past six years. We've delivered a lot, of, a lot of great products, a lot of value to customers, and a lot of value to shareholders. So. You know, Beiju and I are building this for, for multiple decades. And, you know, I'm excited to, uh, to deliver on the things that, that, uh, that will drive growth in the future. And, 
you know, it's going to be new products. It's going to be expansion. We feel very, very well positioned with this company to keep delivering value to our customers. Well, it was very important for Bill to realize something you kept me up on. There were people were saying, oh, they're finished because look what happened with GameStop. They stopped the tree. You couldn't sell. You couldn't buy, whatever, whatever. They had all this. But the fact was, how did the app do in terms of signups in the weeks after what some people were saying was the death of Robinhood? Yeah, well, you, you saw the uh, Q1 results that we published and the, the Q2 flash as well. So we, we've had a strong year, of course, but we're certainly not resting on our laurels for what we've done in, in Q1, Q2 of 2021 or through 2020. I think the team is, is very hard at work making sure that we keep delivering uh, great products to customers and we keep growing with our customers. And, you know, the most important thing, I think one thing through the events of January that crystallized for me is the importance of articulating our values. And I know you, you appreciate this as well. The top value of the company is safety first. And there's a lot more we can do. Uh, we've made a lot of progress already, but infrastructure reliability, having the service available when customers need us the most, customer support, really being compliance first, because safety first implies compliance first, and then investing in education. Because, of course, we, we believe in democratization and, and everyone should have access to uh, to, to the ability to invest, we want to make sure we do that safely. And that's where the bulk of the resources of the company have been focused. Okay, so I'm listening to Steve Weiss today because I'm on Scott Wabner's great show. And he was saying, well, he did some trades with your company and they cleared really late. He got, it was very, it was discouraging. He was talking about things involving crypto that were late. Um, are you satisfied? I don't know, I shouldn't say that because you're never going to be satisfied, but are you working closer and closer to getting it so that you are the fastest clear like you favor t2 you favor really uh, it's a arcane term but t0 you favor instant you yes you you favor instant instant uh clearing if you could are you going to be ready for that can you do that ahead of all the other firms well i think the the obstacle with instant clearing it's basically a coordination problem so uh everyone is going to need to be ready for it there's going to be a complex sort of um backwards compatibility problem because you know you can't clear t0 if your counterparty still can only clear t2 so uh i do believe that that's something that's going to need to happen and maybe t1 is going to be an interim step and uh of course we'll be ready well you got to uh, keep pushing for you and i that. both know that's what the street should be doing it's crazy the street is like a checking account it's not fair. And you know that you change the way the street works. You got to change the way clearing works. Now, let me ask you, if your first value is safety and you are a single source of truth, that's what you want to be. There are so many people who trade options on your uh, on your account. I saw the numbers today and I said, wow, I hope that I hope Vlad is telling him the truth about the risk of options. If we have if they're all buying call options, if we're going down. How are you doing at explaining the truth of how many options do go out worthless? Well, it's it's multiple things, right? Uh, I think it starts with the user interface. And we made a lot of improvements to how we communicate options um, and options eligibility, options education. And I think it's, it's something that we're going to keep plugging away at. As you mentioned yourself, options are a very powerful tool. You know, you have to be educated to use them properly. But they're also a tool that has been accessible to 
wealthier investors and institutions, and uh, if used appropriately, can be can be very useful. Yeah, when I saw you that first time, I said, well, it's David versus Goliath. I heard a lot of people say talking about Goliath, that you're a, a billionaire now, and they forgot that you came off, well, I'm not allowed to say, you, that you got off a plane at JFK from Bulgaria with not a lot of money. You're kind of what I like about America. You went to school, you had a great idea, everybody doubted you along the way. I just want to congratulate, I mean, today was a great day for you, and I know the stock went down. And if we're gonna grade it like that, then I can tell you that Facebook went down to 18. I can tell you some of the greatest stocks in the world went down. Amazon's going down tomorrow. We're grading you on today's action. I think it's unfair, Vlad. Well, look, uh, I think that I'm used to uh, I'm used to being doubted personally. I think from the very beginning, um, we felt like underdogs here at Robinhood, and you know we'll see underdogs uh, hopefully evolving into comeback kids. Um, you know, a lot of people doubted Robinhood in January of this year. Right. They doubted us back in 2015, 2016. So it's it's nothing new for us. We just have to plug on, keep focusing on the long term, and uh, we're confident in our ability to to execute on our product roadmap and our strategy. And you know, uh, you mentioned JFK. Um, that was a special part of today, being able to, to celebrate this with my parents, my wife and kids, having my daughter with me, uh, you know, pressing the button up there. It's, uh, it's something I'll look, look back on and the entire team at Robinhood will look back on and, and never forget. So um, gotta remember to enjoy the, every step along the way. Everything is just, uh, uh, an awesome part of, of the experience. And what did you learn from that incredibly difficult weekend where there were people saying, you know what, your system doesn't work and there, there was money that you had to put up. You did have to go hat in hand. You did have to give a very, you know, a, a, a convertible piece of paper to people that maybe you wouldn't have had a week ago. What did you learn about what was for some a humiliating experience? Yeah, I mean, I've learned about resilience and, um, you know, it's, things aren't always going to go your way. Things aren't going to go the way you predict. I think one of, the, one of the great things about it was all the calls I got of support from other entrepreneurs, people that have started uh, great companies, people that I look up to. And, um, you know, a particular one that I remember very fondly, uh, our mutual friend Mark Benioff. And, you know, he really helped me think through the values and... Um, got me to more clearly articulate uh, this idea that you know safety is what we're allocating our resources to. It's how our customers think about our product, and ultimately, you know, getting customer support to be not just sort of at par, but really world class and a differentiator is something that's going to be very critical for us. Well, and we're going to get very, very good at this. And you know, that's part of the reason. You probably saw Salesforce was on the cover, and right. um, you know it's it's uh, it's something that we wanted to signal. We're we're very serious about being a safety first company and a customer support first company. Well, we're counting on you to do it. We're counting on you. You've done a lot of great things. You've are a great American success story. Who's early on, but we are counting on you to do all the things you say about being safe, uh, emphasizing safety and being our single source of truth in an industry that's not really had a lot of truth, Vlad. It really I agree. Hasn't. All right, well, look, best of luck to you. Congratulations, okay, sir? I appreciate the support. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. That's Vlad Tenev, co-founder, chairman, CEO of Robinhood. Saw a lot of envy today, saw a lot of jealousy, and to me what I saw was a lot of American success. Mad Money's back after the break.
A few months ago, crop prices peaked and the whole agricultural complex rolled over. But maybe those sellers made a mistake. This morning, we got results from Agco, the maker of high-tech farming equipment, and the numbers were phenomenal. Agco delivered a huge earnings beat with terrific margin expansion. Even better, management raised their full-year forecast dramatically to levels far above what most analysts were expecting. In response, the stock jumped a great deal today, and I wouldn't be surprised if it could make another run at its all-time highs. That would be up roughly 25 points from here. But do not take it from me. Let's check in with Eric Hansodia, the new chairman and CEO of Agco, to learn more about the quarter and his prospects. Mr. Hansodia, welcome to Mad Money. Hey, Jim, good to hear from you. Okay, we've got a lot to discuss because you reported an amazing quarter. But I think what people are trying to figure out is, does it matter what price grains trade at or does it matter whether there are payments to farmers? Why is there such strong demand right now for your products? Well, there's a few factors. Number one is really the basic supply and demand. The inventory of grains are low, which drives pricing up. And that's probably the biggest correlation to farmer uh, profitability and their ability to purchase. But then there's a second factor, and that is what's been happening over the last several years. We've had some pent-up demand because farmers were um, holding back on purchases for a number of years during those lean times. And so you've got this combination of good profitability today and a pent-up market. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned the latter because I was going to talk about uh, your predecessor, Martin Riesenhagen. He kept buying back stock because he told me one day they're going to start buying equipment again and we've got to buy stock before they do it. How did he know? Is it that predictable a cycle? (laughs) Well, it's a predictable cycle in terms of its uh, shape. It's just hard to predict when. So the farming cycle goes through its ups and downs. There's good years and lean years. It's it's hard to predict the exact timing, but you know, uh, you know that there's going to be good times and bad times. Well, they do, to some degree, trade together. Uh, Latin America was great. Europe was great. United States, North America was great. I mean, they can't all just be getting subsidies from governments right now. It, 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 there's something happening, whether it be a protein shortage, whether it be that, that there are more people who are better off and want to get fed. Something is occurring in this world right now. What is it? Yeah, this is not about government payments. This is about raw economics, the supply and demand. And in general, economies are all coming back strongly after the COVID crisis. That generates uh, demand for food and uh, demand for ethanol, which is a consumer of grains. That combined with some uh, tighter harvests over the last couple of years has kept grain inventories low. Inventory low, prices high. And that means more profitability for our farmers. Oh, well, maybe you can explain to us why every single one of the, fa- the fast food, quick serve that I deal with has said, listen, chicken's too high. Cattle's gotten too high. Why is this happening? And I always say, well, look, you have to look at the way farmers work. I mean, they, they plant stuff that makes it so that there's enough grain and that it's really them more than the actual price of chicken. Well, that's exactly right. And, and demand has gone through such dynamic times these last couple of years. You know, this time or just a little earlier than this time last year, the whole market collapsed, not only in demand in terms of all the restaurants shut down and, and that right. type of thing, but also on the supply chain. Uh, the, the food wasn't able to get to where it wanted. The processing plants were shutting down. So the whole industry went through a massive amount of disruption. And we saw the fragility of the global food supply. So we've been working really hard over the last year to keep farmers farming. Yep, that's another thing uh, Mr. Reeshnag taught us, which is that, you know, it's not, it's more fragile than you realize, and it's incredibly necessary. Now, about two months ago, uh, Scott Wine from CNH, old friend of ours from Polaris, 
bought a company I didn't know candidly about called Raven. They do precision mm-hmm. agriculture. Agco is known for precision agriculture. Do you now have to buy equipment from your competitor because of Raven? Well, we buy a little bit of equipment from Raven. Um, Scott and I have talked, and we, we've had uh, the, the good thing is we've got a good relationship with, with Scott and CNH, and we also have the reciprocal relationship with precision planting. Agco sells equipment to CNH for planter technology, oh, okay. and we'll be buying a little bit of technology through Raven on sprayer technology. So I think it kind of goes both directions. Uh, I don't see any problems with it going forward. Now, it, there were some real blow-away products, um, some Fent products. Now, we, we've not seen the Fent products, but why are they going so strong? Well, Fent is the premium brand in the world. It's known for the best and the best technology, high quality, and outstanding customer support. It's the overall Fent experience. It's been largely based in Europe, but right now we're expanding it to everywhere around the world. We redesigned the product so it fits for the North American, South America farming applications. As farmers have been able to experience the overall Fent product and Fent experience, they're loving it. And so our sales are growing significantly and we expect that to continue for some time to come. Uh, because of, of your unique position, you've got a great insight into geopolitics. There was a time when we used to be waiting for these grain deals from, uh, from China. They seem to not be uh, in the cards anymore. It would change things greatly if they had to buy. Are their harvest doing really well and they don't need to buy anymore? Well, you know, China went through its own volatile dynamics. A few years back, they had something called African swine fever. And essentially right. that infected the swine population. And you know, China produces about half the hogs in the world. And in China, a little over half of their population needed to be culled or, or removed. And so their population went way down, which brought down their demand significantly. Now they've rebuilt their herd, which is one of the big drivers of this increase in demand over the last 12 or 18 months uh, that's, that's driving not only the demand, but also the pricing. Okay, and what, one last thing I've really got to figure out. Uh, there are a huge number everywhere I go, and I have a, uh, some restaurants, but I see vegans and vegetarians. They want grain, grain, grain. I mean, you know, grain was not in my generation. Grain was something you didn't want. Is, there a, <laughs> is that yet enough of a demand, the secular change in what people eat? And that includes, by the way, beyond meat and that kind of thing. Has that changed Agco? You know, not yet. I, I think it's a growing demand from consumers on a number of fronts, organic, vegetarian, and just the overall theme of sustainability. In fact, we embedded sustainability in the purpose of Agco, uh, to be far, delivering farmer-focused solutions to sustainably feed our world, because we think this trend is, is here, it's strong, and it's growing. So we are aiming to uh, change our focus to not only precision ag, but also on sustainability. Sustainability has an element that you talked about in terms of what the food consumption is, but it also has a role where agriculture can help solve global warming, taking some of that carbon out of the right. air through photosynthesis, trapping it down in the soil. We want to help with that. Well, that's what we're hoping you will do. And I bet you you'll, I'll see you a couple years from now and you'll say, listen, they're planting. They're, people don't like cows. Cows are bad for the environment. It's changing everything because that's where we seem to be going. Eric Hansonian, chairman and CEO of Agco. Man, money's back here to the break. Good to see you, sir. Congratulations on your great number. Great to see you. Terrific stuff. Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with Kramer. The lightning round is coming up next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Come on, Scott. Of course, one of those. 
And then the light runs over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the light one comes over somewhere. Ryan in New Jersey. Ryan. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, yeah, I'm calling in to ask you what you think about uh, Max Star Technologies. I know there's been a rise in uh, uh, space investments in recent years. And, uh, yeah, and you're in the right one. The satellite tail, as we know, from whether it be from Raytheon or when we watch all these uh, Northrop Grumman, uh, Lockheed Martin, it's the right place to be. I like that stock. Let's go to Eric in California. Eric. Yes. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Calling you from sunny San Diego, where we like to say it's okay if you like paradise. I like that. My question, my question to you is, I'm a long-term investor. I buy and hold. And I've got XL Fleet. Oh, XL Fleet came on, months. and then there's just lots of negative stuff came out about them. Now it is so low that I think it's a decent spec. What can I say? I still believe in EV. I still believe in it. Let's go to Anwar in Connecticut. Anwar. Hey, Jim. Thank you for having me on the show. No problem. Yeah, so a couple of months ago, you recommended uh, on semiconductors. Yes. I bought in, and I bought in it, but it has been so flat. Well, I mean, it's okay. Uh, you know, it's look. I mean, it, the semiconductor shortage is on companies like that one, and I think that if you talk to them, they're having a pretty good run in place. And you just gotta just be patient with on. A lot of stocks are down big. That's not one of them. Let's go to Sophie in California. Sophie. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Um, I would like to get your opinion about a Lucid Group. I over. Lucid is so tough right now because, on the one hand, the car's about to ship, and people just say, you know, look, the car's shipping, it's unbelievable, and I've been in one. On the other hand, the company's valued at almost $40 billion. That's an overvaluation with a terrific car. Well, that does sound a lot like Tesla, doesn't it? So if you wanted to take a spec on Lucid, I'm not going to be against it, but understand the way to speculate on Tesla is to own Tesla. Avi in Georgia. Avi! Jimmy Kramer, you're my hero. Well, thank you very much. Jordan of the up market. Booyah. <laughs> Booyah. I'm calling, I'm calling about a very, very inexpensive company. Uh, traded forward uh, nine and a peg of less than a dollar, uh, 0.6. It's Lear Corporation. What do you think, Jimmy? Oh, I love Lear and I love Magna. I mean, these are the companies that you want to own right here. They're boring, they're good, and they make you money. Peggy in Pennsylvania. Peggy! Hi, Jim. Hi, Peggy. First time caller, long time listener. Excellent. Love the show. Thank you. Okay. Back in June, about the middle of June, you, you mentioned AppLovin as a spec. You discussed the company uh, yes. um, comparing it to Roblox when it was at 81. It's down 20%. So what do you think of it now? You know, Morgan Stanley came out and just absolutely crushed the darn thing. Uh, I, I thought it was doing pretty well. I think it's, you know, look, I know what I keep saying. It's a great spec. It's a great spec. But right now, the market hates specs. And when it comes to like them, they're going to buy that one. I did say not to buy Saba yesterday. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. How is Dexcom making a difference in the healthcare space? Kramer's monitoring the stock after earnings with the CEO. Next. 
look at Dexcom Run. This long-time Kramer fave is the global leader in continuous glucose monitoring, CGM, for people with diabetes. Their devices mean you don't need to constantly prick your finger and draw blood to find out your blood sugar levels. It's crushing it once again. Fantastic quarter this very evening. In response, the stock surged to new highs in after-hours trading. So can it keep climbing? Let's dig deeper with Kevin Sayer. He's the chairman and CEO of the incredibly successful Dexcom to get a better read on the quarter. Mr. Sayer, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to be back, Jim. Good to talk to you again. Okay, so once again, you did it. And this time you're doing it with new devices. And I want to talk about what the highlights are. For instance, you talked about strategic highlights, uh, articles in Lancet and JAMA and Journal of American Medical Association. And can you please explain to them technologically why you're jumping ahead of everybody? We've been at this for a long time, and we've really taken an approach at Dexcom over the past several years, even more than before, in addition to just engineering, to develop the product that the patient and the customer can use. And by customer, I mean the patient, their caregivers, the physician, everybody uh, involved in the treatment of diabetes. These articles, the one in in the Journal of the American Medical Association uh, with patients who use basal insulin only. There was a lot of skepticism. These patients don't need a CGM. They just take one shot a day. Well, the outcomes show very much that patients who take one shot a day, when they get information on their glucose, they do better. Their A1Cs came down significantly, Jim. And overall, we're building a body of evidence to support the incredible technological pipeline we have coming in the future. Okay, what is the uh, global... Uh, movement for time and range mean? Forever, our diabetes health, our glucose health has been measured by by a, a measure called A1C, a lab test, which is a 90-day glucose average. Time and range is a different measure. It takes, if you wear a glucose sensor, it measures how much time you're between the numbers of 70 and 180, which are the American Diabetes Associated American Diabetes Association approved guidelines. When you look at that time in range, you can really see a patient's health and how they're doing. And A1C can be misleading because you can have lots of lows and lots of highs and still get the same average. But time in range, it really shows how good uh, patients are doing and gives physicians a better model to treat them. Now, what's going on overseas? Your numbers seem to be accelerating there. Are they learning these things that we're talking about right now? Our numbers overseas this quarter, we, we, have a, a, we had a real tough comparison from last year because of COVID, but our growth this year is largely because there's just more awareness of Dexcom. And we also made a statement uh, at the beginning of the year that we were going to go improve access overseas by changing our pricing structure in some geographies. And we've seen some of that start. More of that will kick in uh, in the third and fourth quarters over the year, Jim, but there's just more Dexcom awareness and more satisfaction uh, with our therapy and how we treat patients. Well, can, I keep thinking that one, at one point, and I saw your commercials recently, that, hold it, maybe they're out of gas. Maybe the new one, maybe the sixth and then the seven, we don't need them. I mean, in the same way people think, you know what, I don't need an Apple 12, I got an Apple 10. But it is dramatically different. Each iteration is much different from the previous. Each iteration is much different. And where we're headed, Jim, with our G7 product line, and it's really exciting. Not only are we going to have a different physical form factor, because it is, but features like 30-minute 30, 30 warm-up, a completely new app experience. We built our software team out much, much larger than it was before. So literally, a regular cadence of software releases to enhance patient experience. And then with these the live API that we just announced, we can also get our data to other apps that might be better than what we can do 
because there might be some another way somebody wants to look at their data. Run your Dexcom app, get the data to the cloud, give somebody else permission to display it, and you can manage your health better that way too. So we, we don't think we're close to out of gas. I don't even think we put our foot on the pedal yet, Jim. Well, to me, I, I know that people who suffer from it want yours uh, if they can afford it because it's the best. And I want to congratulate you again, everyone. You keep confounding the negative, the uh, doubters. And that's what I like about Kevin Sayer, CEO of Dexcom. Great to see you there. I like Good to, to see say you again, th- thank, thank you. you. Thank you. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.